everybody um lovely to see everybody and hear everybody chatting and everything so oh i've gone onto a big page i don't like that seeing myself <laughs> um so we're on zoom um we're on youtube and we're live streaming apparently whatever that means um welcome back anybody if you've been on holiday or if you are on holiday enjoy yourselves hope the weather's kind to you um notices this morning hopefully you've all had a sight of the newsletter that's got notices on i just need to highlight a couple um the first week back to school we are doing um or giving out welcome back cups of tea and coffee and muffins to the parents as they leave school having dropped off their children now Stuart's organizing this and he needs some support. He needs some help um, to, um, it's all been sorted out. We've got a really robust risk assessment. We've got all sorts of COVID safe ideas of how we're going to do it. Um, so if you feel that you can give up a morning or five mornings, because we're doing it all week, um, from about 8.15 till 9am. So it's from the 7th to the 11th of September. Stuart would be really, really happy if you can contact him and give him your name if you can help out at all. Um, there is a meeting on Thursday at 8pm via Zoom, uh, just so that we can discuss the final arrangements and how it's all going to work and everything. And if you're not able to help on the day, then please, please, can you pray during that time? This is a really important opportunity to reach out um, and show the parents and children of Lock and Stumps that we're still here, that we're still here as a church and that we care about them. So please, please pray about it as well. Um, the other thing is that the elders are still encouraging you to read the Bible readings for the following week in the, in the preceding week. These are the um, lectionary readings. So next week's readings for the end of... Yeah, the week ending August the 30th are on the newsletter. So please remember to keep yourselves muted during the service. Um, the Lord's Prayer will be read aloud. It will also be on the screen this week for you to join in, but please join in on mute. Um, and then when we do get to the grace, it will be a free for all. So if we all unmute ourselves and say the grace together. Um, so I think that's it now, but uh, let's just pray before we start. Lord Jesus, thank you that we can come together as your family via Zoom, via YouTube, however we're meeting together, Lord, but we thank you we can still meet together. It's different than we're used to, Lord, but we pray now that you would make this time extra special to us and that you would be close to us as we meet in your name. Amen. And I will now hand over to Kate. Kate, I'm sorry I've not said welcome or you're doing the service. I missed that. <laughs> I'm only a newbie, so welcome, Kate. It's it's okay. I'm uh, part of this community, so I feel welcome anyway. Um, no problem at all. Sing to the Lord, all the world, for the Lord is a mighty God. Sing a new song to the Lord, for he has done marvellous things. Proclaim his glory among the nations and shout for joy to the Lord, our King. Amen. Let us pray. 
Living God, we praise you because you have made such a difference in our lives. We praise you for the joy of knowing we are your people. We thank you for the love which supports and guides us. We trust your promise for our strength in the challenges that confront us. Living God, may we who have known you in our lives share our stories with others so that they may know your joy, love and hope in their own journeys. Amen. Now to our prayer of confession. In a world where people should matter most and much more than things, forgive us when we put money, possessions or individual pride first. In a world where people's actions have a direct effect on the lives of many others, forgive us when we act selfishly and protect our own interests first. In a world where distance no longer separates colour or creed, forgive us when we are arrogant or unwilling to trust those different to us. In a world where people often seem to put themselves first rather than God, forgive us when we forget you. In a moment of quietness, Lord, we bring before you the concerns, the burdens and the worries of our heart. May God forgive all our sins and give us strength, power and grace to live for him in the world he created. Amen. Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. He also said, follow me. God, our creator, thank you for your wisdom and love of all humankind. You've made us all different and yet dependent on one another. Teach us to learn to work together for the good of all. Help us to learn about each other in our everyday lives and to do all we can to foster peace and harmony here in this church, in this community and throughout the world. For we all belong to your one family. Amen. And now Rachel will bring us the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Pam, over to you for birthdays. Right, let me just sort my screen out. Okay, has anybody got a birthday to celebrate? Uh, Last week? Or this? No, this week. (laughs) I told you I'm a newbie. (laughs) Wave at me if you've got a birthday to celebrate. Um, Phew. (laughs) 
<laughs> I got the guitar ready and everything. Nobody's got a birthday to celebrate. Phew, thank you. <laughs> Back to uh, oh Janet on Bible reading. Bible reading is uh, Exodus verse one, sorry, chapter one, verse to verse eight, and then chapter two to verse ten. Then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them, or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies, fight against us and leave the country. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labour. And they built Python and Ramses as store cities for the Pharaoh. But the more that they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with harsh labour in brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. In all their harsh labour, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose names were Shifra and Pua, when you are helping the Hebrew women join childbirth on the delivery stool, if you see that the boy, that the baby is a boy, kill him. But if it is a girl, let her live. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They, they let the boys live. Then the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, Why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? The midwives answered the Pharaoh, Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They are vigorous and they give birth before the midwives arrive. So God was kind to the midwives and the people increased and became even more numerous. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. When the Pharaoh gave this order to all, then the Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Every Hebrew boy that is born, you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live birth note Moses. Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child she hid him for three months but when she could hide him no longer she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it in pitch and tar. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket amongst the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked the Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me, 
and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. Amen. May the written word and the spoken word lead us to the living word, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. It would probably be hard to find someone who hasn't heard the story of baby Moses in the basket amongst the rushes. Over time, that story has been part of school life, of church life. Crafts have been made. Songs have been written, um, pictures drawn. Most of us know that Moses became a great leader and a liberator of people. Someone who was willing to listen to God's bidding and bring those visions, those prophecies to the attention of all. He was chosen by God to bring his people out of slavery and... uh, Most of us remember the story of the 10 plagues. It's not passages I like to preach on. In this reflection, and my reflections in two parts, part of it after the first reading and part after the second. So in this part, we're going to look at people who helped Moses through the early journey of his life, bringing about the survival, some would say. What must it have been like for them? I was, I call this teamwork, but I was tempted to call it <clears throat> blue sky thinkers, planners, completers. Um, but I decided to go for teamwork because I have a great aversion to blue sky thinking. Well, when it doesn't go anywhere anyway. So, first of all, we have the midwives, Shipra and Pua. And last week's passage was about Joseph and his brothers. Now we skip ahead many generations to today's story. (coughs) I'm sorry, I've got a bit of a frog in my throat this morning. The Hebrews have become a significant ethnic group. They were living free, settled, prosperous lives in the fertile delta of Egypt. And we're told that the Israelites were fruitful and multiplied greatly and became exceedingly numerous. So the land was filled with them. The Pharaoh decides that the Israelites are too much of a threat. So he puts them to work as slaves. But still, they multiplied. And that's when the Pharaoh got really worried. And he ordered that all the Hebrew boys be killed the moment they were born. Of course, to do this, he needed people on his side, his team, you could call it. And when I was reading this particular passage and thinking about the team, a song came to mind from many years ago. So youngsters might not remember it, um, but those around my age um, and for many years after would. And it was Gary's glitter. Do you want to be in my gang, my gang, my gang? 
Do you want to be in my gang? Oh, yeah. So that came to mind and it stayed with me through the whole of the writing of this service. But in my head, the word gang, I replaced with team. And here we've got the Pharaoh. And in order to bring what he wants to happen into practice, he needed the midwife really to be on his team. Now, I can relate to these women in so many ways. There's some speculation about whether they were Hebrew or Egyptian. The Bible said they were Hebrew midwives, but it just could have meant that they were midwives to the Hebrew people. It's said that their names were Egyptian, but we don't know whether they were Hebrew or Egyptian. Um, But imagine, I do know midwives, I have a friend who's a midwife. Imagine the horror when the Pharaoh asked them to kill babies that were born or to kill boy babies. Their job as midwives, and this is, as I say, from my friend, I know deeply that their their job is to bring life into the world, not to end it, not to take it away. So if you put yourself in their shoes, going to help her to birth, and they wouldn't have known whether that birth was going to yield a girl or a boy. And then if it was a boy, the complexity of that decision. I did note, and it stood out strongly from me, the sentence that they feared God. It's an old term, God-fearing people. We don't really hear it in our churches these days. But one thing that always strikes me when I hear it is that these were women who recognised the power, the absolute power of God. They didn't want to go against the will of God. They must have had in the mind some idea of consequences, but because they're termed as God-fearing, aren't they? But they didn't want to go against God, whatever the consequences. And I guess that we'd say, and certainly I'd say, they'd already chosen Team God. They devised an ingenious plan, which they finally told the Pharaoh when he challenged them about what was happening. Boys were surviving. And they claimed that by the time they got to the household, the Hebrew women had already given birth and hidden the baby. And they do this, it says. And now this bit's quite important. In fact, I'd say it's really important. They do this because they obey a higher law, the law of God. Remember, they chosen team God. They'll not kill any baby because it's against the will of God. And so they defy the Pharaoh and his unjust law. Shipra and Pua. How many of us know their names. But these are the first women 
who helped Moses survive. Now they did that alongside his mother. So if we put ourselves in the shoes of Moses' mother, imagine, and even father as well, we don't hear much of either of them, but imagine their horror and to some extent, probably sadness as well, when she finds she has a boy. How can she keep him safe? She manages, and it always amazes me, because it says she successfully hides her baby for three months. I know how noisy babies are. And by three months, they start to enter that time when they become even more noisy, chatty, and sometimes start to teeth. She's been hiding him, but now he's too big and noisy to hide. And the pharaohs issued a new order that anyone who finds a baby boy must throw him in the river. It's getting so difficult for her. She can't let her older two children, Miriam and Aaron, play with him. When she washes his clothes, she can't hang them out to dry. She certainly can't take him to a toddler's group, virtual or face-to-face. Both parents must have been awake every night with worry. What can they do? And then a vision, an idea comes to her. She waterproofs a basket. She puts the baby in it, places it at the edge of the river. Maybe against all odds, he'll survive. Maybe someone will come and take care of him. It's an act of trust. It's also a risky act. And she asked the baby's sister, Miriam, to keep watch. I love Miriam because much, much later on in the Bible passages, when Moses parts the waters and the Israelites go through it as a phrase, Miriam danced. It's had great impact on me, that phrase. I really love Miriam uh, and the image she brings in my mind. So Miriam was set there to keep watch, to make sure nothing bad happened. The baby, the basket, the river. Miriam too must have felt a sadness and a worry as she stood there. And then the Pharaoh's daughter approached I don't know what must have been going through Miriam's mind then. The baby starts crying. The basket is found. The slave girl goes and picks him up. The pharaoh's daughter holds the baby and declares that she'll keep him. Is she going to do what her father, remember her father is the pharaoh? Asks of her. So she would have been well aware of what the, her father, the Pharaoh, was asking. Is she going to do that or is she going to do what she believes is right? We're not told what faith she has, if any. But it was another one of those moments when she had to choose which team she was on, the pharaohs or that of justice. 
Now, in any team, there are people with different skills. And that's where the blue sky thinkers who come up with visions and ideas are. But, you know, those ideas don't go anywhere unless you've got the planner builder people and the completers. And that's the same in any team. If you look at a football team, again, there's different skills. There are those good at keeping the ball whilst moving down the field. Those good at kicking goals in. Those who are good at saving the goals from going in, the goalkeepers. To win a game of football, you need a whole range of folk with different skills who will work together. Well, it's the same on God's team. So far, we have the mother of Moses, the midwives, Shipra and Pua. We have Miriam and we have the Pharaoh's daughter. Miriam, I see her as a spirited woman. So quick as anything, she goes over to the princess and says, you're going to need someone to nurse that baby. I know a Hebrew woman who could nurse him for you. Quite a risky action. When I was thinking about it, all I could hear was, uh, if you're familiar with Alice, off with her head. But sometimes our ideas, our risks work. The princess takes up the offer. Miriam goes to get her mother. And the princess gives the baby back to his mother and even says, I'll pay you for him. The pharaoh's daughter must have realised that that baby was one of the Hebrew babies. She's under orders, as is everyone, to throw him in the river. But she doesn't. She even pays so that somebody will feed him and keep him alive. There was no tins of baby food then. She had to find someone to feed him. So in this story alone, we have five, they just happen to be women. We have five women faced with difficult decisions who are great risks to their own safety, work together or conspire to save a child. And later on, we know that the Pharaoh brings up Moses as her own son. They're all people who helped Moses on his journey. And later on, as I mentioned earlier, we know that Moses himself is faced with that question. You know, God's basically asking Moses when he's an adult, do you want to be on my team? My team. You know, do you really want to be on my team? We know that Moses said, oh, yeah, even though it's a bit reluctant. But it could have been a no. 
He did become a reluctant but a great leader of people as he rose to the challenge that God gave him. As he obeyed and followed and prophesied God's will through his time. He led the people out of bondage, as I mentioned. Now, I don't want to take anything away from the greatness of Moses. But I do want you to take away that Moses could never have become that great prophet if those people hadn't made the choices they had in his early life. From these five unlikely women, we can learn to face the unexpected. I think Ron spoke something of the unexpected last week. We can learn to act with faith and courage when adversity surrounds us. And we also learn to choose our team well. Let's listen to our second reading. Thank you, Maggie. The second reading is Matthew, chapter 16, verses 13 to 20. Peter declares that Jesus is the Messiah. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea of Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my, by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Here's another story. We have Jesus and the lads. Now, I know there were women around as well, but we're talking about the disciples here. They were having a conversation. Jesus has a plan, but he needs others to help roll out his idea. He needs folk to join his campaign, to join his team, and to work with him now in the days, months, and years to come. No, he knew he wasn't going to be with them during those years. It's highly likely he knew that. So what are people saying about me, he asks. Who do they say I am? They respond. Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Others still Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then 
right between their eyes, he puts that question. And who do you say I am? Think about the question. Think how it applies to you. You're the disciples here and now. Who do you say I am? Asked Jesus. Now they have to decide whose team they're on. It's a difficult one. If you go with Jesus, you could be led into all sorts of difficult situations and decisions. Daily, you'll have to decide whose team you're on. Peter responds, you're the Messiah, the son of God. Decision made. Jesus comes back and he comes back saying, Peter, I have an idea. It goes like this. Then he says to his friend Peter that he recognises the faith that he has. And then he comes out with those amazing words. You are the rock on which I build my church. You are the rock. What do you think that says about Peter? Well, Jesus would have known, as I said, that he was faithful. But here, he was being asked to share God's word with everyone, no matter what the cost. It would be up to Peter and the disciples to not only share God's word, but to teach others to share God's word from generation to generation. So I ask you, how does it feel as you hear this? I'm going to name some people. They're just simply the people taking part in today's service. Tim. Pam. How does it feel when Jesus says to you, you are the rock? on which I build my church. Janet, Rachel, how does it feel to you when you hear those words? You realise the responsibility and the risk. Maggie and Malcolm, How does it feel to you when you hear the words and you know the consequences? You know how people sometimes react when you say you're a Christian. And yet here you are being asked to not only accept that, but to teach others 
to go out and share the message of Jesus. Jesus was bringing God's vision to earth. He was saying to the Peter and the disciples, here's what I want from you. It's decision time. Do you want to be on my team? Do you? Do you want to be on my team? Is it an oh yeah? Or is it an oh no? The teaching is just a short time, a few passages before Jesus enters Jerusalem. It happens in Matthew 21 in this gospel. It's part, as Matthew is telling this story, it's part of the preparation for building the church of the future. The church that comes into being after the death and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus spoke especially to Peter, but let's not forget He was having a conversation with all of the disciples. It was all of the disciples that were there. He was saying, you know, here's the choice before you. Who do you say I am? Peter did make mistakes. We all make mistakes. But he recognised the value of what he was being taught by Jesus. He did have the faith. And amongst that body of people, there must have been the skills to build the Christian church. Amongst all of those disciples, there were the skills needed. He didn't do it on his own. If we read into the epistles that follow, you will find all of the disciples somewhere in those epistles. And another thing that you'll usually find is that they didn't go out alone. They went with at least one other person, sometimes more. They were there to support and encourage each other. They were also there to bring their different skills to the task facing them. That of being part of God's team. It's the task that faces us, being part of God's team. Now, throughout my time in ministry, I've had the privilege of travelling overseas to live in communities and to work in communities very different to ours. I've sat and listened to the stories of people who lived in those communities. And I've listened to the stories that colleagues have told me of people living in far-flung places and the work they were doing. These stories, much like the stories of the five women today, or that of the disciples, were stories of folk who stood up against unjust laws. They were stories of unlikely survival. Some were sad, some extremely uh, uplifting. 
They were stories of community resistance, of creativity, of wit, of wisdom. They were stories that challenged me. And if any of you have heard those stories, challenged us to be like those we have read about in today's passage. The Pharaoh's daughter, challenged by her action, unjust laws. Perhaps you've met people who showed the wisdom, the resilience, the craftiness and the strength of spirit that Miriam showed. People offering leadership to their families and their communities. Think about those that started the fair trade movement or the food bank or the street pasta movement. There are just so many. Peter and his disciples started to spread what became known to us as the Christian faith. Many people of faith, disciples of the day, then and now, continue this work. All that really matters, well, I think there are two questions. To each of you, I speak the words of Jesus. Who do you, who do you say I am? And if it's my Lord and Saviour, then think about what that means. And secondly, do you want to join my team? And again, it's the words of Jesus. Do you want to join my team? My team, my team. Do you want to join my team? Well, for me, it's oh yeah. I'll leave you to do your own ending Uh, And I do hope those words form an earworm that stay with you throughout the week as they have with me. Bless you all. Amen. We're going to hear a song in a moment. And as you listen to the song, maybe parts of the message I've brought you will be in your mind. But think about the words in that song. If you're singing along with it, think about what you're singing. Lord, I come to you. You know, I want you to change and renew my heart. And I want to do that because of the grace that I found in you. I want you to hold me close and to draw me by your side, because then I will have the strength to soar. I want you to unveil my eyes so I can see what you want of me. Let's listen to Lord, I come to you. And then we'll hear our prayers for the world. My heart. 
heart be changed, renewed, flowing from the grace that I found. I see in thee will be stripped away by the power of your love. Hold me close, let your love
us pray. Lord Jesus, we give thanks that when we got up this morning, we could look out of our windows and see the awesome beauty of your creation. The greenery and flowers in the gardens, enhanced by the sun and the rain, and also that we're able to make a cup of tea, enjoy some breakfast and prepare for what lies ahead today and later this week. We lift before you the many areas of your world where our brothers and sisters are unable to enjoy the simple things in life like we do. We turn on the tap and we have running water. And we pray for those areas that struggle and don't have water. We pray for those suffering from persecution and violence. We think particularly today of Belarus, Yemen, Iraq, Syria, Nigeria and Burkina Faso. Persecution and genocide is nothing new and was actually taking place during the birth of Moses and sadly so many times in the world since then. We give thanks that we're free to worship safely in our homes, but remembering and praying for those who worship in hidden places and who fear for their lives. We pray for the homeless and those who face being made homeless as the ban on evictions is lifted. For those who are struggling to pay their rent, their mortgages and for those in debt. And we lift before you the work of Christians Against Poverty and similar organisations who look to make a difference in the lives of those who have lost jobs and lost hope. We pray also for those suffering from man-made disasters as well as natural disasters, particularly remembering Beirut and California and for all those areas where COVID-19 is still rising rapidly. We pray for those who have to make difficult decisions. For our government, our local authorities, key workers, employers, our church leaders. We pray that all government parties would work together for the common good. And we pray for common sense and realistic solutions that apply to the many and not just for the few. And we pray for the scientists looking for vaccines. We pray for parents and children and everyone involved in education as they look ahead to the new school term and what that will mean for them. For those who are stressed about it and fearful. We also give thanks that many students receive the exam results that they had worked for but remembering also those who are still anxiously waiting for theirs. During these difficult times, it's so easy to look for scapegoats and for people to blame. We seem to live in a blame culture nowadays. Social media is full of controversial comments, even on our URC pages. What comments would have been made on social media about Judas and about Peter in denial at the death of Jesus? 
Lord, we pray for your healing in the world where you have made us stewards and forgive us for the times that we've got it wrong. We pray at this time for those affected by bereavement, particularly in our community and for those people who we know personally. We pray for our church and for our families. For our children and grandchildren, whose vocabularies embrace new words, such as pandemic, coronavirus, lockdown, social distancing, Zoom meetings and new normal, as if it had always been there. But Lord, we give thanks that in this new normal, you are still the same loving father, the faithful one who walks with us in our lives. The same father we praise and worship as we put our trust in you today and always. Amen. This is the air I breathe This is the air I breathe Your holy presence Living in me This is my day is my daily bread Your very word Spoken to me And I I'm desperate for Oh, oh, oh. 
Now may the life-giving spirit and the friendship of Jesus make all of our meeting and all of our sharing a sign of God's way for the world and the blessing of God, creator, redeemer and spirit be with you always and may it rest on all those you love. Amen. So now if we unmute and say the grace together. May the grace of Jesus Christ, Christ, the love of of God, 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 and and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all, evermore. Amen.